0: If you have a Bible with you this morning, I would like you to turn to the Gospel of John, chapter 1. This morning, our text will be John, chapter 1, verses 4 through 8. John, chapter 1, verses 4 through 8. Before I get into the message this morning, I want to say a couple of things. First of all, thank you to Lydia and Joyce. I thought they did a great job. In our library promotion this month, don't forget this whole month is library promotion month. And I just want to let you know I'm a big Kindle reader. Uh, I have an iPad on which I have the Kindle app. And I probably do 90% of my reading uh, electronically. Now I know some of you are really diehard paper book people. I understand that. I get it. But there are, I think, more and more people like me who really prefer that option. And I'm so grateful, so grateful that our library has such a a wide array of reading uh, in that fashion. Secondly, I I just want to follow up with what Pastor Mike mentioned earlier. This is Sanctity of Human Life Sunday uh, being celebrated around the nation. And even though we don't have a special speaker, and even though my message doesn't pertain specifically to the sanctity of human life, I do want to say this this morning. We have and will continue to always encourage our people to be thoroughly pro-life. And that is to all of you, whether you're a member, regular, attender, um, whatever your status here is, we encourage you that in everything you do, um, in the way you live, in the way you vote, everything, Um, to be thoroughly pro-life, and not to do it just because it's the church's position, but because it's the Bible's position. This is a biblical issue, and and so I just say that as a means of encouragement to you uh, as we join with our brothers and sisters around the country in celebrating life today. Well, this morning I'm going to bring us back to the Gospel of John. We just started Our study in the Gospel of John two weeks ago, of course last week we didn't have a service because of the weather, and um, so two weeks ago we looked at John chapter 1 verses 1 through 3 both morning and evening, and this morning we're looking at verses 4 through 8, and this is what it says. It says, in him, in Jesus, in him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but came to bear witness about the light. Well, our first point this morning is two major words. There are two major words that we're going to look at this morning that not only are the focus of this message, but really are the focus of the entire gospel of John. So it is important for all of us to have these two words firmly embedded in our minds as we go about our study of this great gospel. The first major word that John uses in his gospel is the word life. In verse 4, that very first part, it says, In him was life. Now, the word life occurs more than 35 times in the Gospel of John. It's a very common theme. Now, the word life can refer to Jesus as the source of physical life. That is one way it can be used. In fact, we saw that two weeks ago. In verse 1, at the very beginning, it says, In the beginning was the Word. It takes us all the way back to Genesis 1.1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and Jesus was part of the Trinity, part of the triune Godhead that created the heavens and the earth. And then we add to that verse 3, that strong verse. This is about Jesus all things were made through him and without him was not anything made that was made so certainly we could say that jesus is the author of physical life and that is correct but in the gospel of john but in the gospel of john the word life its primary reference is to spiritual life eternal life and in the gospel of john it is clearly placed before us in all 21 chapters That apart from a union with Jesus Christ, you do not have life. You do not have eternal life. So not everyone has eternal life. Only those who are united to Christ in a saving relationship with him. And the reason we need this spiritual life, the reason we need this eternal life is because in our natural state, in our natural human state, we are spiritually dead. We saw this in the last book that I preached through. I preached through the book of Ephesians for about a year and a half. And in Ephesians chapter 2 and verses 1 and 2 are those famous verses where it says, And you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience. You were dead. You were spiritually dead. And it is only through a saving relationship with Jesus Christ, only through union with Him, that you have eternal life. It's the whole purpose of this book. We saw that two weeks ago when we looked at the theme of the book, the purpose of the book that is found in the next to the last chapter, John 20. Verses 30 and 31, where it says, "Jesus did many other miracles in the presence of His disciples, which aren't recorded in this book, but these are written, that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing, you may have life in His name." Okay These are written. These are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing, you may have life in his name. In John chapter 14, Jesus will say, I am the way, the truth, and the life. In John chapter 5, there are those who will reject Jesus. And he said, men, do not come to me that they might have life. In John chapter 10 and verse 20, Eight, Jesus says, I give them eternal life and they will never perish and no one can snatch them out of my hand. And so here is this consistent theme that we see throughout the book. In John's other writing, he's often referred to as the Evangelist John. His other writings are 1 John, 2 John, 3 John, and Revelation. But in 1 John we have this very important statement that goes along uh, an important parallel passage with our passage this morning, 1 John 5, 11 and 12. And this is the testimony that God gave us eternal life, and this life is in his Son. Now watch this. Whoever has the Son has life. Whoever does not have the Son of God does not have life. God gave us eternal life. This life, what life? Eternal life. Eternal life is in his Son. Whoever has the Son has eternal life. Whoever does not have the Son of God does not have eternal life. Not everyone has it. Only those who have the Son. Now, the word life can also refer to abundant life in John chapter 10. In verse 10, we will see In the months to come, Jesus said, I have come that you might have life and that you might have it more abundantly. So it can also refer to abundant life, but abundant life is really part and parcel. It is ingrained in eternal life. You can't have abundant life unless you have eternal life. So the first major word that we are looking at this morning that is important to the Gospel of John is the word life. The second major word that John uses in his gospel is the word light. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. In him was eternal life, and the eternal life was the light of men. Light here used in the universal sense where it means the illumination of the mind, the opening of the the soul The mind, the heart of a human being to see what it did not see, to see what it could not see before. And because of the light, because the life is the light, the light Jesus reveals or is revealed as the one who knows God the Father and who makes him known. Oh, we will see this throughout all the chapters of the Gospel of John. Jesus is the one who knows the Father and makes the Father known to us. We'll see such intimate, special interaction between Jesus, the second person of the Trinity, and his Father. So, he makes the Father known to us because he knows God the Father. We saw this a couple of weeks ago. In John 14, Philip says to Jesus, Jesus, show us the Father and that will be enough. And Jesus says to Philip, Philip, have you been with me so long and still you do not know me? If you have seen me, if you have seen me, you have seen the Father. So Jesus is the revelation of God. When God illuminates our mind, Jesus reveals God to us because he is the stamp of God, he is the image of God. The Apostle Paul says to us that Jesus is the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. That's who he is to us. He is the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Sometimes when a person comes to know Christ, they will say, I saw the light. Or sometimes people mockingly say of us, oh, I guess she saw the light, or I guess he saw the light. And actually, that statement is more true than people will ever realize, no matter how they say it. Because when we come to know Jesus as Savior, we do see the light. We do. Our eyes are open. Our soul is enlivened. We become alive in Christ. And we see as we've never seen before. We understand as we've never understood before. The Bible, rather than being a complicated book, becomes the beautiful unveiling of who God is and how he relates to us. Why? Because we have seen the light. We will see this again in a major way in John chapter 8. John 8.12 says, Again, Jesus spoke to them, saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. And then in verse 5, John says, The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. The coming of Jesus Exposes the world's darkness. Jesus, as John the Evangelist presents it, has come into the world and he exposes the darkness of the world. Not only does he expose the darkness of its sin and its evil, but he also exposes the darkness of the world in this sense. The world has nothing to offer you as far as salvation, as far as eternal life. It has nothing to offer you. Only darkness. The motto of this world is eat, drink, and be merry for tomorrow we die and that's all there is. It is only as the light shines in the darkness that we, we see there is more. More than that. But not only does the coming of Jesus expose the world's darkness, it exposes my darkness and your darkness. It exposes that we are full of sin. And full of evil. And we have no means whatsoever. To save ourselves. There is no such thing as self salvation. We don't have the means to save. Our own soul. And as the light exposes our darkness. We see like we've never seen before. Our own sinfulness. In Isaiah chapter 6. Isaiah saw the Lord high and lifted up. Seated on his throne. Just like we sang. He saw the train of God's robe filling the temple. You know what Isaiah said? He said, woe is me. I am ruined. I am a man of unclean lips and I live among a people of unclean lips. Peter, after he saw Jesus perform a miracle, he said, away from me, Lord. For I am a sinful man. Paul, after he saw the light, said, I am. I am the chief of all sinners. Well, it says the darkness has not overcome it. It has not overcome the light. As strong as the darkness is, it can never overcome the light. Never, ever can it overcome the light. The light is always stronger, always greater than the darkness. It's interesting in some translations verse 5 reads the light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not comprehended it. I think that's what it says in the King James version. And actually both translations are accurate. It's a twofold meaning. The darkness does not understand the light and the darkness cannot overcome the light. Never. It finds the light puzzling, mysterious, and it cannot overcome it. It's kind of like our English word grasp. We use it in two words. We say, I grasp that thing, that object. I grasp it. But we also say, he doesn't get it. He doesn't quite grasp it. He doesn't grasp that thought. And that's really what this means here. The darkness does not understand the light and the darkness can never grasp the light and pull it down it can't the dark excuse me the light always overcomes the darkness we think of one of john's other writings first john chapter 2 where it says if anyone hates if anyone says he is in the light but hates his brother he is still in the darkness Whoever loves his brother abides in the light. Whoever hates his brother is in the darkness and walks in the darkness. You see, if we truly come to know the light, who is eternal life, who is Jesus Christ, we will not only have eternal life, but we will want to obey all that he has commanded us. So there are two major words that we are introduced to. The first is life, and the second is light. Life and light, and they are both Jesus. Well, our second point this morning is a man sent from God. The Apostle John introduces us to another man named John who was sent from God. And of course, this is John the Baptist. And it's important that he introduces John the Baptist because in the first three chapters, John the Baptist is going to play a major role. We are going to learn a lot more about him as we go through this study. In verses 6 through 8, it says, There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light that all might believe through him. He was not the light but came to bear witness about the light. He says, John was a man sent from God, and he was. John the Baptist was the last of the great Old Testament prophets. After the 400 silent years, we come to the Gospel of Matthew, and there is John the Baptist, the great prophet of God who had a very unique and important role. He was the one who was the forerunner, the one who introduced us to the Messiah, the one who prepared the hearts of the people. Messiah is coming. Messiah is coming. And it says he came as a witness to the light that all might believe through his message. In fact, in verse 7, we have a very important threefold definition of the purpose of j- excuse me, of John the Baptist's ministry, he came as a witness. Two, he came to bear witness about the light. Three, that all might believe through him. Those, that was the purpose or the purposes of John's ministry. He was a witness. He was a witness of Christ, but he had very specific witness came to bear witness about the light, the one who was eternal life, the one who is light. John came to bear witness, and here's why. That all might believe through him, through his message, through his proclamation. And then the Apostle John carefully clarifies the role of the other John in verse 8. He says, He was not the light, but came to bear witness about the light he was not the light but he came to be a witness for the light and this is more important than probably we understand because there are a number of times in the ministry of John the Baptist when he is approached by the scribes the Pharisees and the teachers of the law he clearly says to them I'm not the Christ don't get this confused I have come to introduce the Christ I have come to pave the way for the Christ, but I am not him. I am not the light. Here's something that I want us to think about this morning. Although the role of John the Baptist was unique, he is an important example to all Christians of what it means to be a witness for Christ. I think there is a lot that we can learn from verses 6 through 8 about our own ministry that God has given us upon this earth. First of all, there is a sense when all of us who know Christ as Savior have been sent from God. We have the God-given role of being a witness for Christ. All of us. When we come to know Him as Savior, when we are redeemed, when we are born again, it is our responsibility to be Gospel proclaimers to bear witness for Christ. This has absolutely astounded Bible scholars and Bible students for centuries. Why us? Why us? Why didn't God use the angels? Why didn't God just write the message in the sky, either believe it or don't believe it? But he doesn't. He uses us. I want you to hold on to that for just a minute. I want you to notice also that just like John, we are to bear witness about the light. We are to faithfully bear witness of the life, of the light, Jesus Christ. That's our responsibility. We're not to tell them our opinions. We're not just simply to tell them about our church. We're to tell them about the one who can save them from their sin, who can give them eternal life, who can give them brand new life. We are to bear witness of the light. We are to bear witness of Jesus Christ. Let's go back to that other thought. It says that all might believe through Him. It is God's divine plan. Think about it. It is God's divine plan that men and women believe in Christ through our witness. Through the witness of frail, broken human beings. Again, why does God use us? But he does. It's his plan that through the preaching of the word, the teaching of the word, and the personal witness of the word, and in the sending out of missionaries, to the ends of the earth. That's God's plan for bringing people to the light, for bringing people to a point of belief and salvation. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. People believe through our witness. He didn't use the angels. He didn't write it in the sky. He chose To use you. And as we work through this first part of the first chapter of John, this is almost a stunning thing. Something that can be helpful to you as you study the Bible for yourself is that each text has what is known as a mood or a tension. Sometimes that mood is one of joy. Sometimes that mood is one of sorrow. Sometimes that one, the mood is one of judgment or repentance. Sometimes it's one of inspiration. Here, it is a great proclamation of truth. The tension here is that we have this great truth proclaimed to us and you almost get the sense as you start reading that here is the Logos. In the beginning was the Word and the Word was with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. And you almost get this sense that the light is just going to burst forth upon the world, and you either believe it or you don't. Then verse 6 says, There was a man. There was a man. There was a man sent from God. He came to bear, or he came as a witness, to bear witness about the light that all might believe through him. This great Logos, this life and light, the creator of the universe who made all things, we're going to tell people about him. It's our responsibility. It's our great and joyous task to bear witness to the light. And remember, you're not the light. Jesus is. Point them to Jesus. Throughout the history of the church, there have occasionally been egotistical pastors and evangelists who have kind of thought they were the light. But they're not. They're not. We are merely messengers We are merely humble servants, but we have the great and joyous and magnificent task of bearing witness to the light for this reason that all might believe, that all might believe through our witness. Jesus Christ is the life and the light. We're going to close in just a few minutes with that song all i have is christ and i chose this song because i just love what it says hallelujah all i have is christ hallelujah jesus is my life and he is let's pray together heavenly father thank you that you are eternal life or jesus christ is eternal life he is your life that has come into the world. Oh, Lord, Jesus is so beautiful, so magnificent, so glorious. Oh, Father, we are awed, we are humbled by the fact that you have given us the responsibility to be your witnesses. Oh, help us to be faithful as John the Baptist was. Help us to be faithful, to bear witness of the light, so that people might believe through our witness. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.